This week, we return to probably my favorite town in the country, Santa Fe, New Mexico. We're going to share with you all of our uh, excursions in that area. Plus, are you a mosquito magnet? There might be a scientific reason why. This is RV Miles. This fall, L.L. Bean wants to help you get outfitted for all that's out there with tips and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. Here's a tip to help you stay comfortable when camping in cold weather. Before bed, boil some water, pour it into your water bottle, and stick it into the foot of your sleeping bag. The heat will radiate out, giving you toasty toes and a comfy night's sleep. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode 255 of RV Miles. I am Jason. And I am Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our three boys, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, and so much more. We are coming to you from Oliver Lee State Park, just outside of Alamogordo, New Mexico, which is one of the first state parks that we hit uh, in our first winter in our bus conversion after we hit the road. And we love this park. We love New Mexico state parks in general. They're absolute uh, gems if you get a chance. We're going to talk more about this place and what we're doing in this area on a future episode. But we're talking more about New Mexico today. We're talking about where we went after the balloon fiesta up to Santa Fe. Yes, one of our favorite places in probably the entire country. It's on our very short list of places we could see ourselves settling down in. And I have to say I was a little nervous because it's been about four years, four and a half years actually, since we've been to this area. And I wondered if it would hold kind of the magic or if I would like it as much as I did when we were here back in 2018. And I did probably actually more so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just a special little town. It really is. Uh, so we'll talk about that quite a bit here on the second segment. But first, are you a mosquito magnet? No. I am. <laughs> Welcome to the club. People have long claimed that they are mosquito magnets, that they are more prone to getting bitten by mosquitoes. And I certainly... Uh, feel like I am one of those people. and Ethan in, is definitely yeah. one of those people. And in fact, scientists have known for quite some time that mosquitoes are more attracted to certain people than others. And there are all sorts of old wives' tales about why. Is it your blood type? Do you eat too much garlic or cheese? Or what is it that mosquitoes are tr- attracted to you? Uh, it, we know mosquitoes are attracted to your the your breath and your body heat so they can they can see your body heat and they can sense the carbon dioxide that we breathe out and that's the main thing they're attracted to but you can't hold your breath for for very long right <laughs> to, to avoid no. the mosquitoes there really is no way to avoid them uh, but scientists have been trying to figure out why they're attracted more to certain people and they think they've finally figured out why there's uh, some researchers at rockefeller university did a study where uh, what they did was they put nylons on on people's arms. They had them wear nylons on their arms for, I think it was six hours a day for three years. 
And this is like 64 people doing this. Okay. And then they would take the nylons off of them and put them into plexiglass boxes with different varieties of mosquitoes. No. And the reason they did that was to separate the person, right? So they're trying to just get the smell of that person's skin mm-hmm. uh, and and see if that makes any difference to the mosquitoes at all. Because the smell of your skin was the scientific community's leading theory. It turns out that some people, uh, some of the nylons in particular, were 100 times more attractive to the mosquitoes. It is a certain fatty acid that just happens to be on the skin of these certain people, and it was consistent over the three years, the the individual people that the mosquitoes were attracted to. So it's not affected by what you're eating, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not affected by you know your shampoo or anything like that. Essentially, what this boils down to is that it's just your natural skin odor, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I... I don't, I have thoughts. I mean, I think, well, your skin odor, is it like gross? No, no, odor? it's not gross. It and it's like, just, it's just like, it uh, it's particular. What, is, what type of skin odor are they talking about? You know, like, it's like mosquitoes I mean, don't have like the same noses that, that mammals right, have, right? I, so they're, they're, they're sent, they're sensing different chemicals and. It's just different types of chemicals that are more present in some skin than others. Were they able to narrow down what those chemicals they, were? They or? were, but there's no. It's but it's but it's not. Uh, it's not related to any sort of like particular uh, racial makeup uh, or uh, ethnic background, anything like that. It is just kind of random. So what happens then? Did they test these people? I have all these questions. So did they spray them and have them put like bug spray on or something? Does the bug spray mask enough of the skin odor? Because you and Ethan seem to not have anything that can stop the mosquito. Bug spray does work for me. But what this study lends a little bit more legitimacy to, I think, um, is the thermosol type products. Okay. uh, Which help confuse the scent of the mosquito. Okay. Uh, both of the carbon dioxide and probably these skin odors as well. Yeah, because try as we might, the more natural-based uh, sprays do not work for you guys no, at all. Never. Like they, they will eat you no, up as though you're not wearing anything. Deet all the way. <laughs> I know, which is, you know... Not a fan of, but yes. but there, you have to you have to. A lot of people don't like spraying themselves with chemicals like DEET or Picardin, but you have to remember also that you're protecting yourselves from some serious viruses For sure. that mosquitoes carry, like like yellow fever and Zika. So uh, you know, and, and and that protects you from things like ticks as well. And that's important as well. And you can always, you know, spray on your clothing instead of just on your skin. It also protects you from being miserable. And I have seen you and Ethan and Henry, too. Jack and I seem to be uh, pretty immune. Yeah. Uh, although I would argue that flies are really attracted to me. And uh, that doesn't make me feel any better. Um, yeah, they're pretty attracted to me, too. Well, they're really, they're bad right now here in this area. There's they're one bad. That's, there's like one. There's one that's just like <laughs> in love with on, us right hold now. Hold on. You're from the Midwest. Yeah. This is not bad. No, this isn't bad. I mean, obviously, <laughs> no, it's it's annoying. How about I put it that way? They're 
very, the flies here seem to like really not have two to give. And they're very comfortable just being all around you, daring you to hit them. Uh, the mosquitoes are a little bit more subtle, I think, but... And uh, I, I haven't been bitten once here by a mosquito. Oh, I have. Not not at all no, down here. No, that was at uh, Cochiti. Never In, mind. Yes. Up, yeah, up wow. further north, Albuquerque and up tier, near Santa Fe, mm-hmm. I, I did get a few bites. But down here, I haven't had any bites. Uh, so it's it's been very pleasant for many reasons. One being these gorgeous mountains behind us. Uh, the other being the lack of mosquitoes. It's also very dark here. So the night skies are gorgeous. And well, it's, it's very... dark right now. When we first got here, we had a full moon and it was yes. spectacular. And now... Uh, it is also very quiet here. Which oh, it's... Everyone just can great. hear us right just now. Great. I mean... <laughs> no, they can't. It feels like they can. Sorry, neighbors. Uh, <laughs> so thank you to Science for once again sharing us uh, with us a little bit of information to... Uh, Keep us a little bit safer. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Santa Fe. Be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes, a full line of weight-distributing hitches, adjustable ball mounts, and a new line of fifth-wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit BlueOx.com. RV Miles is sponsored by RoadPass Pro. Everything RV, one membership. Choose your journey with RoadPass Pro. You get premium features on Campendium, Road Trippers, R Village, and Togo RV for only $49.99 a year. Plus, you can get $10 off with the code RVMILES10X. A RoadPass Pro membership unlocks premium access to all the popular RV and camping apps. You get exclusive access to best in class planning tools, resources, member benefits, and tire programs. GPS navigation customized for your RV, access to over 15,000 overnight RV parking locations, and more than $5,000 in savings on tires, gear, and accessories. Discover our favorite features at roadpass.com slash pro, and remember to save $10 with the code RVMILES10X. We're back, and it's time to talk about Santa Fe, New Mexico. Such a great southwest sort of mountainy town. Uh, It's not like up in the mountains, like something like Breckenridge, uh, Colorado, it's down below the mountains, but it still kind of has that same sort of vibe to me. Lots of art studios, uh, lots of really high-end shops with very expensive <laughs> stuff. I was looking at a necklace. I was like, oh, that would look really good on Abby. And I turned it over and it was $12,000. And I so, thought, okay. Well, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> down payment on a house. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I appreciate that you recognize a twelve thousand dollar necklace it's, is it's about right in up line. Your alley. Yeah. Is about in line with uh, the type of jewelry you should be buying me. Thank so you. We stayed this time in the same place we stayed last time we visited Santa Fe at Cochiti Lake. There's a little confusion as to whether it's Cochiti or Cochiti. Uh, locals told me it's Cochiti. The mm-hmm. gate person said Cochiti. I don't know. You tell me if you know, but I would love to know. Cochiti Lake is an Army Corps of Engineers campground that is is kind of halfway between Santa Fe and Albuquerque, but a little closer to Santa Fe. Yeah, I would say it's about a 
40 to 45 minute drive into like the city center of Santa Fe and you're looking at probably closer to an hour for Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's just a great little Army Corps. You know, we love Army Corps of Engineers campgrounds. We always have. Uh, this one in particular is just great. Great big Nice sites, although our site wasn't huge that we were in, but we fit in it. <laughs> we just, made it work. Just barely. Actually, the site itself was huge because they do this. We were up in the Juniper Loop this time. If you listened to the episode from four and a half years ago, we were down in Elk Run. And yeah. Elk Run is kind of the newer section of the park. So we were up at sort of the very top, which is called Juniper. And it's a little bit older, but the inner loop kind of uh, is enclosed or is there's a mesa essentially that you, yeah. the loops are going around so when you pull in instead of having like your picnic table and everything there to the side it's all behind, behind you, you yeah. and it feels very big very open and the views up there are spectacular now when we first arrived i didn't think i would like it as much as i liked elk run yeah and in the end i ended up loving juniper more, I think, than I did when we were here back in four and a half years at Elk Run. Yeah, the Elk Run loop is the loop that's open year-round, and this mm -hmm. one is not open year-round. As we discovered. A little bit more about that in the Fresh Tank <laughs> Black Tank segment. Yeah. But it, it was just a, a, another great experience. It's a, it's electric and sometimes water. Uh, most of the campsites have water, not all yeah. of them. Uh, and decent dump stations and... Uh, a, a lake that you can go out on on a kayak or canoe if you've got one and mountains all around it is right by the tent rocks national monument mm -hmm. which we loved visiting last time we were here but it is closed it has been closed since covid and is still closed it's yes. part of a native american reservation and they've just not reopened it well part of the reason why it's also not reopened is that they are trying to work with this is run by the bureau of land management as opposed to the national park service and they are trying to work with blm to develop a plan that will actually protect the space uh, because again there has been an influx of visitors all across uh, our great outdoor spaces and these continue to be really sacred uh really sacred spots to the people that call this area home and so they are trying to work with the bureau of land management to reopen in a way that will allow visitors to come to these sacred places but also protect them as well not much more to say about the campground though it's a real nice place it is a while uh, to get anywhere uh, but it's, it's worth it it's worth it and because it's a, a gorgeous spot away from town so uh, we'll talk about the city of santa fe itself but while at Cochise Lake, we want to talk about first a couple places that we visited that are just a little bit outside of Santa Fe. Right next to each other are Bandelier National Monument, um, which if you listened to that episode from four and a half years ago, you know is one of our favorite places, and the Valles Caldera, which uh, we visited for the first time. Mm -hmm. This is a, uh, so I'll start there because we went there first. This is a uh, it's not a small site, no. But the the services are small. The access is small. It is a very large site, but basically, in in the middle of northwestern New Mexico is a a former called uh, volcano that went off a million and a half years ago, and this is actually what formed Bandelier National Monument. All the big rock formations there, and it is just a, a big sweeping depression in the landscape and they have a big herd of elk there um 
and uh, apparently the wildlife is spectacular. We didn't see much wildlife because <laughs> it was raining the whole time we were there. But we, we did we did go on their sort of scenic drive and enjoy the drive a bit. It's very it's pretty rugged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say you could do it in most cars. I'd I'd want to have something with a a little bit of ground clearance. Yeah. Though. So if you remember from last year, we talked about when we stayed at Big Rock Candy Mountain. Uh, campground in utah yeah right and we got stuck on an atv trail that took about three hours for us to go was it a mile mile and a half maybe That's, three miles something it was, around it in was there. seven miles so, yes. oh seven yes. <laughs> three miles seven yeah. miles uh and that was pretty miserable yeah. even in our truck with that off-road package the trimmer package it has that was pretty miserable this was designed for this truck. This was such a joy to drive on. You're only <laughs> saying that because you drove. Well, <laughs> let me say that. Yes, it was. Everyone had a great time because I was driving. And I was like, um, so we, we're, we're driving down the road and, and Abby's like going around a big puddle. And I'm like, you know, you can hit that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, well, here's the thing. So Jason drove in. Jason drove in and I, we stopped so that we could turn around because we did want to still get over to Bandelier. So we weren't able to do the entire drive there. So we stopped, got with our friends. We all decided to turn around. And I thought, you know, it looked like a lot of fun driving this. And so I said, hey, I want to, can I, I'm going to drive back. Like, I'll, I'll do this. Yeah. And uh, I just decided that no no puddle was going to be left yeah. untouched. And I drove that truck through every pile of dirt, every puddle I could find. And I'm talking, I'm not talking little puddles. I'm talking puddles where the water was splashing up and over the truck. They now, were, it was, of course, you have to be careful with standing water because you don't know what's under it. And of course. And you could be hitting a big boulder or something or a much deeper rut than you think it is but these were pretty obvious yeah this was very obvious we weren't doing anything and we were staying on the road we were not going off the road or off trail or anything we were staying on the road that was designated for drivers so we had a pretty good idea of what we were getting into but there had just been enough rain and it it was raining while we were there that a lot of this water just hadn't absorbed yet so it was still pretty pretty tall standing stuff and we just had a blast. Yeah. You would think that a rainy day would end up being just a miserable day to visit a national park. But I really enjoyed this particular national park site in sort of this rainy, misty environment. Like it just even it just made that big, wide open expanse just stunning and gorgeous in this way that like you don't normally experience. And we had a blast. Like, it was just so much fun. So we spent about a half day driving there and then uh, and driving through there. And then we went over to Bandelier National Monument. And as we got there, the clouds, the clouds cleared and the sun came out. And then that made taking that uh, loop around the cliff dwellings just so absolutely enjoyable. Yeah. So Bandelier, uh, it, it, it is known for its cliff dwellings. And uh, we've talked about this extensively in in the past, but... It, we love it because it is a much bigger park than people realize. It's 70 miles worth of hiking trails. We unfortunately didn't have the time to do any of them uh, this time, but one of our favorite trails that we ever went on was 
I apologize, I might be saying this wrong, the Sankawi Trail, T-S-A-N-K-A-W-I Trail, um, which is sort of on a mesa and you're walking in the footsteps, literally in ruts that were made a thousand years ago uh, by indigenous people. So we didn't get to do that, unfortunately. But there were a couple changes at Bandelier that I just want to make you a little aware of. Uh, because last time we went there, it the world wasn't as busy. People love mm-hmm. national parks. People are loving them to death. So now they have a shuttle system at, at Bandelier. Mm-hmm. Uh, before, you parked down in the parking area, and sometimes RVs were sort of filling up 14 sites, and yeah. it was it was rough because it's a small parking area. Now they have sort of remote mark parking, and you have to take a shuttle in for most of the year. The winter, you can park. Uh, there's no shuttle. Um, but So we had to park at a parking area about three miles away from the visitor center and we should say take a shuttle in sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there uh we should say that the moonshade came in really handy once we got there because we needed to have lunch and we were kind of hoping the rain would have let up by then yeah Uh, as we love to do we had a a meal in in the national park this time it was in a parking lot which was (laughs) the most serene setting but And it was raining, so we have uh, a moonshade, which uh, is sort of a portable shade. I shared it on a gear video recently, if you want to check that out on the YouTube channel. Um, but it uh, it has suction cups on one side and then pulls on the other side. So sometimes we sh- suction cup it to the RV. This time was the first time we did it with the truck. So we were able to have a place to sit underneath the truck and still access everything uh, while it was raining on us. Yeah, and I would say that's the only thing about during shuttle system season there that's a little bit of a letdown because there is actually a very nice picnic area up there by the visitor center. And we were hoping that maybe we would have been able to access that on this visit and that just wasn't to be, but we were able to make the most of it and enjoy uh, a nice little picnic before we headed in. The shuttles ended three days later too. So had we come three days later, we could have well, Use that wonderful picnic area down there. But. Actually, they also ended, I think, at 3 o'clock they that day. Three, and it was 2.30 when we got there. Yes. <laughs> or it was like 2 when we yeah, got there. And yeah. so we just ended up parking over there anyway. But, you know, so that is something to be mindful of uh, if you are visiting Bandelier during peak season. Um, and then they do give you kind of like a um, gather round when you all get there and get off the shuttle and they give you sort of the information on what you need to know about the park, but then you are left to your own to go off. You don't need, it's not timed entries or anything like that. Uh, but because of the, the small shuttle parking lot, uh, you could find, uh, depending on what time you go there, you could find it rather difficult to find a parking spot. Yeah. So I don't know because it was f- almost full. When we got there. Well, to and me, it feels like they should just the be park. able to say, okay, if the parking lot's not full, they let you just drive on. Sure. You know, and then if it is, then you have to park at the remote and take the shuttle. Yeah. This will be, I think, something that's going to have to be developed and tweaked there yeah. at Bandelier for some time to come because I, I cannot imagine what it's like on a, a nice Saturday afternoon, uh, especially right after the balloon fiesta. Yeah. A lot of the state sees an influx of tourism shortly after the balloon fiesta because everyone, you know, takes off and continues their adventures through the state. Yeah. you have, uh, I've, I've read an article uh, uh, You'll find that at Carlsbad Caverns all over the state that there's increased tourism right after the balloon fiesta. One of the great things about Santa Fe, uh, it was hot several times, uh, several days at the balloon fiesta. Mm -hmm. But one of the nice things about Santa Fe is that it is much higher elevation. 
so you are able to sort of get out of the heat if it is hot. Um, but also it gets cold and it snows a little bit too in the winter. Uh, the one big thing that we got to do in Santa Fe that we did not get to do last time is Meow Wolf. Oh, and goodness. Meow Wolf is a giant walkthrough art installation. We actually did a, an episode on the Sea America podcast uh, about it that gives you all, all the details. And we hadn't gone uh, when we did that episode. Uh, one of our writers wrote that for us who had gone. Uh, but we finally got to visit. And there are, there are these in a couple cities. There's one in Vegas, one in Denver. Meow Wolf is, was just a heck of a lot of fun for our whole family. It was fun on so many different levels. I think for our oldest, our 15-year-old, it was just an experience that he has not had in some time. He got to go off. He was just, I, he was just enthralled. For our 12-year-old and our 9-year-old, they loved the mystery that surrounded because it's the whole thing has to revolves around a family and their disappearance and uh, the anomaly and and you you it's so vague it's so yeah. vague. There are like clues like, that you can follow if yeah. you want to follow a sort of mystery. We started with that and kind of it's it was became really clear as a party of nine because we were with friends that trying to figure out such a uh, vague mystery was not really like going with all these different age ranges just it wasn't going to work but it was still fun to be able to kind of start figuring out or creating something and 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 kind of piecing things together and coming up with our own hypotheses but it I it exceeded my expectations. Yeah, me too. I loved that if you were having a little bit of sensory overload, because the lights are kind of dim in there most of the time, and it is full-on sensory. Just to, full if, on. if I can just try to give a, a slight visual representation, um, hopefully this helps. When you go in, you're, you're going into a house, first of all. Mm -hmm. You're walking through a house with like full kitchen and living room and, and, and bathrooms and bedrooms. And in this house, there are all these sorts of clues and things and weird things happening. The ceiling is undulating. There are stuff that happens in mirrors and there are uh, cabinets that you can open that have Go things behind them. Go through the fridge them. and so then there, it, there are portals in this house. Yes. One being the fridge, you you find them and you open them up and you can go you go to these weird and wild, wacky different places yeah. that are all very different. So you go through the fridge, you go through a closet in the kids' bedroom, like you walk past clothes and you're all of a sudden in this wholly different universe. And uh, that's sort of the feeling of what it is, I think. It's really wonderful. And, you know, again, it's a lot of sensory and they do have the option that while you can't actually leave building you can go out into like their cafeteria area you can get a drink from the bar you can get a snack you can you know chill out for a little bit and then you can go back in and continue the adventure and I know I had to do that I mean it might have been that I was drawn to the fact that there was a beer out there and I wanted to to go have a gluten-free beer, but uh, I liked that I could come out there, sit, chill, have a drink, kind of like decompress a little bit, and then go back in. And I thought that we had seen everything and come to find out there were several places I completely missed. Yeah. So uh, 
I'm very excited to explore the Vegas Meow Wolf because we will be there in and around Thanksgiving. Yeah, which is apparently a totally different thing. Totally different. It's like a supermarket. It's crazy. I can't wait. I feel like it's going to be all of my supermarket sweep dreams come true, but in like this (laughs) totally trippy kind of way. So... If you do find yourself in Santa Fe, it is a little bit pricey. We did try to go on the value day, but even the value day (laughs) is still expensive for a family of five. But if you budget that in and know that you're going to do that ahead of time, I think it's worth it. It is a busy place and you do have to buy your tickets and make reservations in advance. You don't want to sort of just show up and see what happens. Actually, they won't sell you you a ticket at the door. No, you need to have a timed entry for this particular exhibit. So we did that uh, as kind of like a, a main piece of Santa Fe. But then we also wanted to make sure that we experienced some of the beautiful nature in and around Santa Fe as well. And we went on uh, a fantastic hike, sort of situated inside. In one of the fancy a, neighborhoods. One of the, <laughs> one of the fancy neighborhoods with the, the real expensive adobe houses. Oh, gorgeous that, homes. Yeah, it, it was called the Dorothy Stewart Trail. And there's actually a whole network of trails up there. There's lots mm-hmm. of trails in and around in Santa Fe. It's actually hard to choose one because there are so many. Yeah. Because it is a, a town surrounded in mountains. So there are lots of options to choose from. But this was a... A short sort of two mile ish hike that led us up to a, a good view of the city uh, and a great view of the sunset. But you should not be fooled by this two mile hike. It's not just like a straight. There's a lot of up and down. There's a lot of up and down. And also, if you cannot get a parking spot right by the trailhead, <laughs> as we it's could another not, 0.7 miles it, yes. <laughs> to the next parking lot. <laughs> yes. yes. So you have to add that walking time yeah. on as well. And so we did this uh, during one of our favorite times of day, which is to do a sunset hike before dinner. And it really did offer a beautiful sort of overview of all of Santa Fe. Once you get up to the top, it was very quiet. It's kind of a little bit of a busy trail. I mean, we encountered uh, several different groups of hikers while we were on it, but all the kids did great. I would rate it kind of as like a easiest to moderate-ish kind yeah. of trail. Uh, definitely worth an afternoon uh, or an evening to go and do this. And so we took advantage of that. And then we took advantage of the amazing food that you can find in Santa Fe oh, by eating. Santa Fe is a great food town. If oh, you so do good. nothing else, uh, in fact, Keep Your Daydream did a, a, an episode where all they did was eat food. <laughs> Which uh, like and, and we went to one of the restaurants that they went to that was so good. It was called The Shed. And so this is right down in the plaza area of... Mm-hmm of downtown Santa Fe where really you want to sort of walk and shop and, and eat. And which we did. (laughs) This was very traditional New Mexican food. So what is New Mexican food is sort of like a mixture of Tex-Mex with, uh, with green or red chili on everything. Right. Uh, so, uh, it actually wasn't that expensive, but it was like, it was, we were on the waiting list for four and a half hours. Yep. So, which I know sounds <laughs> wild. So we went to Meow Wolf and we kind of planned Meow Wolf that we would get out and get over to the shed because they take reservations, I think, three to six months in advance. And so all their advanced reservations are gone, but you can get on the day of waiting list. So we left Meow Wolf and got 
right to the shed at four o'clock, which is when the waiting list opens up. And there was already a line. So they told us that it was going to be about, you know, three and a half to four hours. And we thought, okay, you know, or that it could be sooner. You know, they always say it could be sooner. And we thought, okay, fine. There's so much to do here. We'll walk around. So we got uh, first dinner. So <laughs> we got first dinner. And actually, Jack asked me yesterday oh, if we, we should go back. That. We should mention we this should place. We should mention this place, yeah. We had first dinner for the kids at a place called Sa uh, Santa Fe Mac and Cheese or Mac and Cheese Santa Fe. I had a few bites and wished that I got a whole meal because that was, as good as the shed was, that was pretty darn good, too, for quick service and be able to have it immediately. <laughs> Not to mention they were the nicest oh, yeah. people. They were so nice there, really attentive. They were really awesome to the kids. But the mac and cheese, I I mean, I like to think we might be uh, a mac and cheese family. Sure. We eat a decent and amount of it. And sometimes, like gourmet restaurant type mac and cheese is actually kind of the worst. Yeah, it's like, They're like good. You know, we try to just make it with like some shredded. Yeah, and look, we put some breadcrumbs on yeah. top. Aren't we fancy? Yeah. Um, this was like... Some of the best mac and cheese yeah. I've ever had in my entire life. On top of that, we also had the tuna noodle casserole with green chili. Now, you don't like tuna noodle casserole. I oh, think, right? I love tuna noodle casserole. Oh, you love tuna casserole. I thought yes. you didn't like tuna noodle casserole. No. Oh, well, we got to make some tuna noodle casserole. Love then. it. Um, that was one of the most decadent. I mean, I'm closing my eyes, y'all, as I tell you about this. <laughs> It was decadent. It was delicious. I want more of it. It was it was so good. So if you find yourself on the wait list for the shot, go have first dinner over at uh, Mac and Cheese Santa Fe or Santa Fe Mac and Cheese. I'm sorry. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then t the night progressed. Yeah, and and, and we still hadn't gotten the text. So we decided to have second dinner, which was really just to go to a wine bar have a uh, share a bottle of wine with our friends uh have a charcuterie board and, and the kids had dessert the kids, the kids had, had pre-dinner pre dessert <laughs> pre well they had dinner dessert and then, and dinner. then they had dinner yeah. again yeah. and so we finally got the text at about 8 30 as we were contemplating Maybe we just need to give up on this whole thing. <laughs> There's a burger place down the road. <laughs> like, maybe it's time. Because the kids had eaten at the mac and cheese place. But us adults were trying to hold off. And then when we got to the wine bar, we just ordered a little something small. Because, again, we were trying to hold off. And so by 8.30, we were like, if we don't get our hands on some food soon, like, it's just not going to go well. So we did end up finally getting into the shed. You had... Red chili. I had green chili. Yeah, I had enchiladas with red chili on them. And I had enchiladas with green. Uh, the first two or three bites were almost painful. They do I warn you on the menu that their food is spicier than you might expect. Yes. And it wasn't until I lost the sensation just in my lips and everything. And the margarita helped. And then... I was finally. I ate the. I ate the whole thing. It was so good. It was. It was, a, so it was good. an incredible meal. And it's in this this cute place that is. It's so old that you know it's predates building codes by quite a bit. <laughs> so you, you have to duck to get yeah. through many of the doorways. Yeah. Like many of the doorways are five feet tall, and you it's have amazing. to kind of go under them. And it's it's very very yeah. nice, and the service was great. Reasonably um, priced too. Yeah, wasn't you, it too expensive? We thought it was going to be so expensive, oh, but man. because of all the hype and the weight yes. and stuff. 
and it was affordable. Very, very reasonably priced. So if you want to wait four and a half hours for a meal, just do what we did. Do first dinner, second dinner, <laughs> then eventually get to third dinner and go have dinner at the Shed. So that was our experience in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you have any other tips for folks visiting Santa Fe, please leave them uh, in the comments on the YouTube version of this episode or in the Facebook group. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. We're going to be right back with our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. This episode of News from the Parks is supported by ParkWolf, the ultimate app for visiting U.S. national parks. With ParkWolf, you can view upcoming places and amenities as you drive through the park, locate the nearest gas, food, bathrooms, and pullover points. ParkWolf's wildlife maps show you the best times and places to see or avoid wildlife, along with a feed of the latest wildlife sightings and photos from the parks. ParkWolf even makes it possible for you to view your live location and direction on official park maps while staying up to date on current MPS alerts and advisories. ParkWolf keeps working even if you lose service. To learn more, download the ParkWolf app for iPhone free from the Apple App Store today. Welcome back, and it is time to check the level of our tanks this week. Jason, what is in your black tank today? My black tank is <laughs> goes to our our experience at Coach D Lake. Um, our reservation it, experience. It was a reser It was it was very confusing, uh, and this often happens in government-run campgrounds. Is that there's some confusion. <laughs> so we get an email from the camp. We're sp we're supposed to stay for a week. Uh, we arrive on Sunday. We're leaving on Sunday. Right. Mm -hmm. We get an email from the campground. Uh, a couple weeks in advance, maybe no, a like week a in couple, advance, like less than a week in advance, uh, less than a week in advance, saying that the campground and it said the campground will be closing on the uh, the Saturday of our reservation. And we were leaving on Sunday and we were leaving on Sunday and that we would actually need to leave on Saturday. That um, we should expect a full refund for yeah. that day and that we would also receive further communication from the campground. And, uh, okay, you know, stuff happens. So we figure out a backup plan. We decide on our way down to Alamogordo, we'll just uh, we'll just boondock somewhere and have a, a nice night. And remember, there's two families doing this as well. So uh, sort of organizing that. It's a, a little bit of a thing. A but, bit of, but, but it was still fun because it was an adventure. We figured We're going right. to have an adventure. Uh, so we arrive, and I, you know, the the gate attendant person first of all there's a pre-gate gate and that person told us where to go to the actual gate yes. so and she said that person won't be at the actual gate so just go onto your site right they're only there from four to seven and this is the last day they're going to be there so just go onto your site and come back later. so we arrive at the second gate and lo and behold there's a person there mm -hmm. and that person uh is, was apparently their last day of the year too yeah. and and they and I asked them about that, and they say, "Oh, oh no, we're not closing. We're open. We're open year round. You're fine. You're fine. You don't have to go anymore." I'm like, "Oh, okay. okay I guess we don't have to go." Our, you know, our reservation we, sign we, said. We get to our site, and there's the little reservation sign has mm -hmm. been filled out with our name on it, and says the dates of our our reservation, uh, and that we're going to be able to stay the whole time. There shouldn't be an issue with that. So we think, you know, we're in the clear. So then the uh, on the Friday, I overhear some people talking at the dump station because we were kind of camped sort of near the dump station uh, that were moving because they came by and told them they have to move. Yeah. Uh, so what was happening was our loop was closing and the other one wasn't. 
Uh, and we ended up, we did end up getting another email from the campground and a refund, but it was on like that Friday or Saturday. So we were, <laughs> all the stuff we shared with you about the shed, uh, we did, and Meow Wolf, we did on the Friday. And as we're driving back, uh, we get an email <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night telling us officially we have to leave tomorrow and your refund has been, uh, you'll see your refund in X amount of days. So the, thankfully we had stuck to the plan of yeah. we were going to just have two travel days. But had we not stuck to that plan, that could have been a little bit challenging. What? So it's just, you know, it's just a little frustrating thing. This kind of stuff happens a lot on the road, uh, again, often at government run campgrounds. So just something to be mindful of. Flexibility, flexibility, <laughs> flexibility. All right, what is in your fresh tank this week? Uh, the folks at Escapees. Escapees is a big RVers club uh, that you can join, and you should consider joining them, especially if you're a full-timer, because they have great resources for full-time RVers, getting uh, mailing address uh, and, and that sort of stuff done for you. But if you have been uh, wanting to work full-time from the road, you want to make the jump to full-time RV living and travel full-time or just a lot of the time and but you want to have a job that allows you to work remotely escapees is doing a big job fair and it is a virtual job fair so you can find uh, a lot of different employers that have jobs that you can do remotely online it's november 1st through 3rd uh, and we'll share a link in the description where you can find more information about it. They're also looking for more employers uh, to join the job fair. So if you're an employer that has opportunities for remote workers, uh, consider being a part of it. There you go. What's in your black tank this week, Abby? Okay, so I'm going to give you my black tank, and I'm just going to preface this. I don't want to. I don't want to hear anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me about this. Um, and I mean that in the kindest way because sometimes we all have irrational fears and despite us knowing they're irrational uh, we still sometimes are governed a little bit by them and I am currently being governed by the uh, teeny tiny snake that has that we are visiting his home he right lives now. 10 feet from our he front door lives here I am just a guest in this snake's home I recognize that uh, we have been in this campsite now since, what is today, Friday, so like five days or something like that. Uh, the snake made itself known yesterday as it had warmed up a little bit and it wanted to come out of its home and get on the rock. And uh, Abby, bitty garter snake. <laughs> Abby made herself known inside the RV which is where Abby will be staying, except for the fact that Jason is making me film this out here. Hey, but I am facing the rock the whole time, so that should our friend appear, I will not hesitate to knock all this equipment over and move my butt you, inside that you, house. You did miss the tarantula that Henry Stop. found. I, you know... That I've already seen like three or four. Tarantulas. Yeah, this I one, this I one, mean, we've seen, we've unless, seen the little ones. This one was six <laughs> inches across. Unless it's like our friend from Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I might have some issues. Uh, but right now, my black tank goes to um, not necessarily to the snake. Listen, I get it. I'm in its home. I get it. Uh, but I. 
I don't walk over there. If I need to go to the truck, which is over here, I now have to walk all the way around the back of the rig and get in on the truck over there. Um, there are definitely worse snakes in this area. There are. <laughs> and that is not one. 100%. <laughs> and in six years, uh, they finally found me uh, and finally found a campsite that I was at. These snakes have been after me for six years. It's finally happened. Uh, like this morning, I got I I was up to make coffee and I went to turn the coffee pot on. Realized that the inverter wasn't on. It was like six. It was dark. It was cold. I did not hesitate to go wake up Jason and be like, "I need you to go outside and turn the inverter on." I really I'm should not going out there. Mount that inverter <laughs> control panel inside somewhere. Well, we should, but we have it, and we probably won't. Let's be realistic. We have other things to do. Uh, so I sent you out to deal with it. So uh, a black tank to my friend, the snake that he has to share a space with someone who really really doesn't want to share a space with him. What is in your fresh tank this uh, week? So my fresh tank is a podcast recommendation that I'm obsessed with. I liked it so much that within the end of the first episode, going into the second episode, I had subscribed to it for the year just so that I could get the bonus content and get it ad free. Uh, no shame though to those who have podcasts that got to put ads in them. I get it. Okay. I'm with you. Uh, but this podcast is called This Is History. And it is a storytelling type podcast, very similar to what we do over at America's National Parks podcast, but it is all centered around medieval times. Yeah, I know. I, stay with me. And this family, this dynasty that started in the 12th century, the Plantagenists or the Plantagenets, and it is so good. And they're, they're short 15-minute bursts, again, really similar to like what we do over at America's National Parks podcast. It's just like one little story in time about this dynasty family that literally reigned for 300 years. They backstab, they betray, they sell their kids off. It's, it's like Game of Thrones, but without the really uncomfortable Game of Thrones stuff, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, it's really enjoyable. Dan Jones is the host. He is a historian, a really well-known historian who uh, has written tons of stuff on this family. I just went through the whole Thomas Beckett. Uh, it, it, fascinating. Fascinating. I highly recommend it. Comes out twice a week. And if you do subscribe, you get a bonus episode where they will deep dive into something they didn't have time to talk about uh, that week. Um, I'm in love with it. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. And as always, if you are enjoying RV Miles, please share with a friend. Let them know that you enjoy this podcast and that they might enjoy it as well. Or head over to Apple Podcast and leave RV Miles a five-star review. We've said it over and over, but truly we mean it. That one 30-second action helps put RV Miles in front of a whole new generation of listeners. So thank you so much to the over one thousand of you that have come over and done that for us. We truly appreciate it. Want to connect with Jason and I? Well, then you can find us over at the RV Miles Facebook group. You can also find 12,000 of some of the nicest RVers. Just come over there if you want to talk to us, tag us in a post, and we will be sure to see it. All right. Until next week, stay safe. Please leave me alone, snakes, and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.